0: On demand. This is Ben Weingarten of The Blaze Books, and today I'm joined by Brad Meltzer, author of the forthcoming The President's Shadow. Brad is the number one New York Times bestselling author of The Inner Circle, The Book of Fate, and seven other best-selling throwers. Brad's also one of the only authors, and this kind of reminds me of Glenn Beck actually, to, to ever be on the bestseller list for genres including nonfiction, advice, children's books, and comic books. Lastly, but not least, Brad is the host of Lost History on H2 and Decoded on the History Channel. Thanks for joining me, Brad. Thank you, brother. So give us a a little synopsis of The President's Shadow.
1: Sure. You know, The President's Shadow begins in the White House, and right outside the back of the White House, the President's wife, the First Lady, is digging in the Rose Garden, and she's a gardener, and it's the one thing she hides from the press. It's just when she's gardening, it's just that moment where she can be away from everyone else and have the world to herself, and so she digs her hand into the mulch, and she's, it's 5 o'clock in the morning when no one's around, and this is the one moment where she can breathe and nobody's following her, and she puts her hand in that mulch and digs down and feels something, and there in the rose garden, what she thinks is, is kind of a tree root or something else, she picks up, is actually a severed arm. And she has no idea who buried it there. She has no idea how they got past security. And she certainly has no idea how to solve the puzzle that's in that arm's closed fist. But right there, the president's shadow begins, and we have to figure it out.
0: And and your book focuses uh, to a large degree on the Secret Service and then sort of the Secret Secret Service. How much is this inspired by the various security snafus of the Secret Service in recent history?
1: You know, the funny part is, uh, and maybe this is just a sad reality, is my book was done as all those things were happening, uh, and, and I just pulled from reality of what the Secret Service has taught me personally. And, and listen, we always see now these snafus, right? If one Secret Service agent gets drunk somewhere, it's on the front page of the paper, what you don't get to see is, of course, what's not in the paper. And there are amazing things that the Secret Service is pulling off on a regular basis. You know, because when I I off my thrillers, listen, it's a thriller. I can make up whatever I want, but I like it to be real. So I went to the Secret Service, who's helped me with, I think, five different books now. And I said to them, um, if you were doing a murder investigation in the White House and you wanted to investigate in a way that no one could see you, what would you do? And one of the Secret Service agents that I work with said to me, well, the first thing I would do is I would renovate a room in the White House. I said, what are you talking about? And he said, you got to renovate a room. And I said, why? And he said, because when you do a renovation, you can get the president and the first family out of the House, and no one's the wiser. And he said to me that when you think about it, you'll note that nearly every president who has passed through the White House recently has renovated a room. President Obama renovated the treaty room. Bush renovated the briefing room. Clinton gave us a new music room. You won't believe what's been investigated under the guise of home improvements. (laughs) And that's great from the real secret service. So you see these amazing things. Of course, I work those into the book, and that's just the beginning of it.
0: And the book centers in particular on one group and a competing group as well, but the one group being the Culper spy ring. So give us a little bit of the history of that actual spy ring that existed.
1: Yeah, so a number of years ago, I got a call from the Department of Homeland Security asking me to come in and brainstorm different ways that terrorists could attack the United States. And my first thought was, if they're calling me, we have bigger problems than anybody thinks. Right? But I was honored to be part of it. I went in. They would pair me with Secret Service agents and chemists, and they would give us different ways, uh, different places to attack, and we would have to come up with different ways to attack the United States. And when I asked my friend at Homeland Security, I said, why'd you pick me? And I trace it back through history, trace back to a man named George Washington. George Washington's true story had a real-life spy ring, a private spy ring that no one knew about called the Coulter spy ring that was made up of regular, ordinary people. There weren't his generals. There weren't the people in his army. It was regular, ordinary citizens. You know why? Because Washington used to say that no one looks twice at an ordinary person. And I love that. And I said to my friend in Homeland Security, wouldn't it be cool if you found out that George Washington's spiring still exists to this very day. And there was this long pause, and he said to me, what makes you think it doesn't? (laughs) And I said, that's a good idea for a book. So I wrote a book called The Inner Circle about that, and I wrote The Fifth Assassin, and now we're at The President's Shadow, where you find out not only does the spiring still exist, but you also find out that's not the only thing that exists. And the other thing that exists beyond the spiring are the Knights of the Golden Circle.
0: Of the in doing your research for this book, what was the most fascinating true piece of history or artifact that you found, which then weaves itself into the story?
1: I, you know, I think um, I think one of them was simply where Abraham Lincoln's killers were actually kept. And anyone who knows me, you know, as, as a longtime guest of, of Glenbeck's programs, knows my obsession with Lincoln, like Glenn himself. And I was doing research. Right after Lincoln was shot, of course, um, four of the there were many you know people who were who were considered guilty of the crime. Four of them were hung at uh, what is you know uh, in Washington D.C. Four of them were hung. The other four were actually sent to prison, and they were told that they were supposed to go north and they were going to go to some prison up in New York, I think it was. And in the middle of the night, these four, uh, Ned Spangler and and Dr. Samuel Mudd and others were pulled out of their cells, they were thrown on a ship, and they could see by the fact that the land was on their right, they were not going north, they were going south. And they kept going south. And they went so far south, they went past Key West. Now many people think that that Key West is the southernmost tip of the United States. Actually, there's an island that's further than that. And it's a place called some by some devil's island. It's now the Dry Tortugas. It's a, the it's a home of a place called Fort Jefferson. It's a real place that exists. And what happened was it, it's literally an island like Gilligan's Island, you think, where there's a giant, almost medieval fort made of millions of bricks. And at one point in time, uh, back during the Civil War, we used to think that castles and, and fortresses were the way that we were going to protect our nation. And, you know, everyone in Europe had these big castles. Everyone was making big castles. And so we had millions of bricks chugged out to this island, and what happened was, is eventually uh, the steam engine was invented, and weapons were invented that make uh, a fort and the brick wall look like a pillow fort. And they said, you know what, castles are useless, fortresses are useless, and they abandoned this island. And Abraham Lincoln's killers were put on this island. Abraham Lincoln himself used to use it for Civil War deserters, but basically, when he died, they used it as a prison. And this tiny hidden secret island that held Abraham Lincoln's killers was right in my back door, South of Florida. And you better believe I went down there to see it. And what I saw there, you're going to see all in the book. I don't want to ruin the end of the president's shadow, but what's on that Island, the secret rooms that are on that Island, um, all of those things were real. And it was amazing to walk in the real history of the men who killed Abraham Lincoln.
0: And without, giving up too much of the plot here so i'll be as vague as possible in this part of your book rests on the history of the characters and and trying to find out about their families in the past and the bonds that tie them together and one of those bonds deals with government experimentation on military officials so what was the inspiration for that from history
1: yeah, you know uh, you know me well. Uh, I just became obsessed with the reality of it first. And I started doing research uh, in the National Archives to find all the different things that were done by the government on regular citizens. And it was despicable. It was disgusting how much stuff was found. And we all know some of the things, you know, the Airmen, we know that one was apologized for a number of years ago. But there were other ones that were just torturing regular people Um, To see, you know, and and it was just a horrible thing that I saw and I said, you know what, I have to use this. I have to take this and let people see at one point in time what the government was doing in the name of science. And all the research that you see based in the book, obviously I I turn things and and I make things up for my main characters, but came out of the research I found in real tests that were being done and other things that were being done. And again, I can't run the end of the book, but when you see it, I think you're really, it's going to blow your mind when you, you know, it, it, in a strange way, it's like the things that we see in the Secret Service. It's like those things um, that you see on every page in the book. Every time you get through the book and you go, is that real? of the time, it's real. I know it's a thriller, but I love Based on Real. So uh, just as a quick example, um, you know, when you go into the White House that, and you need a secret place to talk to in the White House, I asked people, I said, there's another floor that's below the basement. And I was like, wait, there's a basement. What do you mean there's below that? And and below that is a laundry room where they press the linens for the state dinners, which means there are nearly as many floors below the White House as above the White House. So, of course, I put them in the book that's real. And if you want to know, another real one that I love in there is, if you want to know who the government calls in a crisis, they call in great patriots. Because back in the 80s, when the hostages came back from Iran, a great patriot, which is a term of art, put them up at the posh Greenbrier Resort so they could finally have a place to privately relax. And more recently, after the CIA's annual retreat, a great patriot, a different one, flew the top CIA chiefs to a small town so they could have their own private meetings and an off-the-book vacation. So sometimes patriots are former members of the government. Other times they're simply regular citizens who step up when they're needed. But as we all know, This country is made up of many great patriots that we're never going to know the names
0: of. And and speaking of those great patriots, uh, we're approaching Memorial Day weekend, and your life's work has effectively been looking at history and sort of reanimating it and bringing it back to life and, and keeping it relevant to our everyday lives today. So with that in mind, is there one particular artifact from military history, American military history, that... You found to be the most fascinating, or have the most fascinating historical vignette behind it.
1: Uh, one of the ones that I love the most, and I can't say this is—I uh, yeah, was searching for what presidents hold in their pocket. We found some amazing things. That I won't—I'll skip some of them because they're just going to be fun to talk about. But you'll see what, what President Bush and Reagan, and uh, in the book, you'll see what Reagan used to have in his pockets, which was pretty amazing. But in terms of true military history, one of the things I found is that what every president also holds in their pocket, they're the nuclear launch codes uh, in this little kind of almost credit card kind of way. And I just was blown away by that. But for me, if you want to know, you know, the true great history of the military, we all know uh, that some of these things are not about just guns, um, but they're about the human things that come back. They're about those, those, you know, whether it's uh, an unfinished letter. Um, you know, we found a letter that came from a soldier we were looking for on Lost History, a letter uh, from the Vietnam War that he had written back to his family, and he died, and the family really wanted the, the letter, the final letter that their dead son wrote. And that, to me, is some of the best military history, is that those things come back, because you really get to see the power of an ordinary person. You really get to see... That, it, you know, we, we like to think of our government, um, it's almost faceless and nameless, but it's made up of citizens just like us. And our military especially is made up of so many brave souls who risk their lives every day so that we have the freedom we have. And uh, I do a lot of work with the USO. And when I get to, you know, I've been over to, over in the Middle East to go over there and say thank you to the troops there. They, the USO takes six
0: guerrilla riders
1: every year. And a couple of years ago, I got to be one of those riders. And when I got to go there and say thank you personally, uh, that to me was where I saw, you know, to me, what is the best legacy that the military has, which is it's it's human people and the people that make it.
0: The President's Shadow uh, comes out on June 16th, I believe, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. Do you have any other uh, interesting projects that you'd like to clue our audience into coming up? Yeah, no, I can talk. um, So
1: one of them, I think, going back... uh, all the fans out there know intimately because uh, I know Glenn has a love for her too. So I do a line of children's books. I was tired of my own kids, as well as the thrillers. I do a line of children's books. And I was tired of my own kids looking at reality TV show stars and loudmouth athletes and thinking that's a hero. I tell my kids all the time that's fame. And being famous is very different than being a hero. So we've done I Am Abraham Lincoln and we've done I Am Rosa Parks and I Am Amelia Earhart. So The President's Shadow, as you said, comes out June 16th, a month later in July is I am Lucille Ball. And you see the stories of Lucille Ball like you've never seen her before. And you'll also see um, uh, two months after that in September, we do I am Helen Keller. And what I love about doing that book is we have, when you get to the part where she goes blind, the pages go black. And it says, this is how I see the world. Cover your ears. This is how I hear the world. And then when you get to the part where she learns how to read, we actually put real braille into the book. So you can kind of feel and go over the Braille and see her name, I am Helen, and now go find your name. We give the whole Braille alphabet so kids can find it. And to me, that's how we can give our kids great history, Giving Lucille Ball, uh, who I know Glenn is a big fan of, one of the you know the great uh, business leaders of her time, are her and Desi. And uh, I love that we get to share those real stories and help kids. You know, the goal is never about just one book like I am Lucille Ball or I am Abraham Lincoln. Mm-hmm. The goal is to help people build a real library of heroes for their kids and their grandkids and their nieces and their nephews. And that's what the entire series is about.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a great service to the country. And hopefully it'll get incorporated into some uh, curriculums over time as opposed to the uh, typical stuff that we're seeing coming out of Common Core. <laughs>
1: uh, I, you know, I, I thank you for saying that. We have seen teachers embrace this. And we have, in fact, have put on our Twitter and Facebook pages you know, the, the nicest compliment we get is that we have kids dressing up as Abraham Lincoln and Amelia Earhart for Halloween, and they're saying, "Thanks to your book, my kid doesn't want to be a princess this year. She wants to be Amelia Earhart. She wants to be Rosa Parks. She wants to be..." and I, It's just so humbling, and the and to watch teachers even embrace that and say, "This is the history that our kids need," is just inspiring to me.
0: Yeah, I can't imagine that there's a better tribute than that.
1: I agree. I trust me, every day I thank my, you know, I thank God for for what I've been blessed enough to do here. And it's the same thing with The President's Shadow that I get to spend my time um, talking to former presidents, to secret service agents, to people out there to help me tell these imaginary thriller stories um is just an amazing amazing thing. I feel so lucky every day.
0: The name of the book is The President's Shadow. It's out June 16th and we've been speaking with its author, Brad Meltzer. Brad, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, my friend. For more on this and other books, you can visit The Blaze Books at www.theblaze.com slash books and follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash theblazebooks and Twitter at The Blaze Books. You can follow me on Twitter at bhwinegarden.